know if this is a true statement, but it seems like the U.S. government is trying to discourage R&D. And, you know, the, your, the cost of investment is going up. The short term, 2022, you know, the way you handle R&D expenses is going to change. You have to move to that harmonization. And what we're really doing, what the U.S. government is doing, is saying, we still want you to make that investment today. But we're not going to pay you back for a couple of years. And that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, the government is pumping out trillions of, of dollars in aid and assistance in all these different areas. Um, one of the key areas that you sustain long-term growth is that R&D. Those, of course, are the voices of Cross-Border Solutions Zone, Alan Tobin and Rahim Walji talking about what everyone is talking about in the U.S. when it comes to R&D. In fact, now that we're more than a few episodes deep in Fiona's R&D Tax Credit podcast, welcome, by the way. And if you are an R&D tax professional, we might be able to take a wild guess as to what's on your mind right now going into a new U.S. administration. And that might be one word. It starts with an A. You heard it just a moment ago. And that is amortization. That's right. The clause of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that can largely negate benefits from the R&D tax credit for U.S. taxpayers. The TCJA promised something that many in R&D have been asking for going back years, the prospect of making the R&D tax credit permanent. But the TCJA also presented tremendous roadblocks to claiming the credit in timely fashion, as we will discuss in no uncertain terms on today's podcast. Joining us is Cross Border Solutions' own Alan Tobin. You heard him a moment ago. Plus, the director of R&D Tax Incentives here at Cross Border Solutions, Rahim Walji. I will now turn things over to him. Rahim, the conversation is in your court. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate it. And I've got a wonderful guest here today, Alan Tobin, who has so much depth and experience working with large firms, large customers, and in the tax world. Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us about where you're located and, and what's happening in terms of COVID-19 in, in your neck of the woods. Thanks, Raheem, and very happy to be here. I'm in a town called Pearl River, which is about 15 miles outside of New York City. So very much we've been the epicenter of the coronavirus since day one, and our lives have probably changed more than anybody, but everybody's been fairly diligent, and things are starting to get back to normal a little bit. I'm glad to hear that. How did you get into R&D tax credits itself? Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, that's a great question. I started at a big four firm, Deloitte, back in 1998. And at that time, really no firm had a dedicated R&D tax credits team. And I worked in the financial services industry, and one of the partners sort of specialized in R&D tax credits. Let's just say he was one of the first people to really see it as a benefit to clients. And he recruited me to help him out on a project. And before you knew it, it turned into three or four projects. And after about year three, we were one of the first firms to dedicate specialists to an R&D tax credit team. And I joined that team. So you've been in since the, uh, the ground floor, essentially. Yeah, exactly. It's been a long time. Got a lot of gray hair, but it's been a lot of fun along the way. I'm glad to hear that. So, you know, given some of those gray hairs you've gotten, what did you find the most interesting about R&D so far in your experience? It's very unique from a consultation basis in that, you know, when we first started, we were traveling all over the country. I found that very exciting. Even now that it was, it's more remote, it's still something where you're not strapped to your desk. And what I mean by that is I'm into different industries every day. I'm meeting different people every day. It's exciting. It keeps me on my toes. There's never a dull moment. 
I can definitely agree with you there. <laughs> so let's dive into today's topic a little bit. I know we're going to talk about amortization as a whole and how it applies to R&D, but let's start with you know giving our audience an overview of the benefits of the R&D tax credit, Alan. Can you tell us about some of those benefits? Sure. As, as most people know, it's a dollar for dollar tax credit that gives money back to the company. So when you look at it from a CFO's perspective or a C-suite perspective, and you're investing a lot of money in R&D, this is a way to get some of that money back. And it sounds very simple, and it really is. We're helping to grow the economy through the U.S. tax credit by keeping U.S. corporations doing their R&D here on U.S. soil. And that's very important. We want to make sure that we grow the economy by creating jobs, by stimulating innovation. We want to be innovative leaders in the world, like we have been pretty much for the past 200 years. So you know, it's, it's a long answer, and I apologize for that, but it's a way to lessen the cost of innovation for companies. Absolutely. No, and don't apologize for any long answers. You know, the benefit of your experience is that you've got a lot to contribute. So looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, I look forward to it too. So how are the costs of R&D treated under current tax laws? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for the most part, it's really simple today. You know, business could choose to fully expense the cost of R&D. So they fully expense it in the year in which they're incurred. And what that means is that they're deducting the cost of R&D from their TI or taxable income in the year that it actually happens. It's a very simple method. Companies are very fond of it. It makes it very easy to keep track of your R&D cost from a tax perspective. And building on that, why is it important to be able to deduct the expenses in the year that those costs occur? Well, I, I would argue it just makes it very easy to track those expenses. It's the right treatment. It's the proper tax treatment of investment and other expenses, as opposed to spreading it out over the course of time, where you would have to do a FAS 109 study and try to remember what is a permanent item or a temporary item. You know, it allows you to get a true perspective of what the company's profits are. And you want to make sure that it's not overstated in current terms. And one thought is that it also lowers the cost of the investment. What what does that actually mean? How can it lower the cost? Well, as you're, you know, as you're deducting those costs, then you're actually reducing the amount invested in the technology being developed as well. So it's sort of a, a I'm not going to say it's a one-to-one, but there is a ratio there that allows you to reduce the amount of investment in the R&D. So let's move to some recent legislation in the last few years. So the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. One of the amazing things that it did is it kept the permanent R&D tax credit in place. It lowered corporate tax rates, right? A lot of us know from 35 to 21%. And that stands, you know, as a way to increase the value of the credit for companies that can, that can claim it. How did the TCJA change the treatment of R&D expensing though, right? We're talking about the amortization piece. So you know, it had some language in there related to that amortization and, and what happens after a certain period of time. Can you tell us what the what the specifics were of that? Sure. Yeah. You know, all these companies thought that they were getting the greatest deal in the world, right, Raheem? So they thought that not only was the R&D credit going permanent, but their corporate tax rate was going down to 21%. That's a huge win. You know, the, no one loses there. But, of course, there was something slipped into the legislation that changed the way R&D costs were expensed. So starting in 2022, you're no longer allowed to immediately deduct all those R&D expenses. You now have to amortize them over a five-year period. 
which again, that overcomplicates things. It's going to make it very difficult to keep a strong record of when the R and D began, when it finalized, and when you were done amortizing it. It's going to be a lot of work for companies to do that. You know, essentially, companies have to spread out their deductions over a five year or potentially a fifteen year period. There's another concept out there which is called the beat, right? That's the base erosion and anti-avoidance tax. You know, under the TCGA, R&D tax credits, they don't affect the company's liability. However, five years from now, in 2026, the B calculation is going to require businesses to add back R&D credits. So what does that do? So, you know, that means you're not going to get a dollar-for-dollar benefit for the R&D tax credit because it's going to increase the beat liability which is a huge issue for international companies, any company that really does business around the world, and it's going to negate some of that benefit. So it's going to become much more difficult for companies to get that 100% recovery of their tax investment. So taking all of this into account in terms of the amortization over five years starting in 2022, the impact of the beat tax calculation in 2026, how does this have an impact or how does it affect the R&D tax credit itself? Frankly, since it's not a dollar-for-dollar benefit in the end game anymore after 2026, it's less of an incentive. It's not the same incentive. So, you know, perhaps legislation will come through, and I know there's there's some legislation out there right now which was put forth, I believe, back in June of last year, but just has not made it to the table yet, where the credit could be doubled. That would increase the incentive, obviously, especially if there are some beat implications. But the bottom line is that if that legislation doesn't pass and if it stays as it's currently stated, then it's going to be less of an incentive. As far as I know, I don't know if you have any insight into this, but this is the first time since the Tax Act of 1954 that companies won't be able to deduct the full cost of expenses immediately. That's an amazing statement to make, especially right after the fact that we made, as a country, we made the tax credit permanent and we reduced the corporate tax rate. And I know, you know, a lot of the legislative intent behind it was was for budgetary reasons, right? You know, you have to find some money somewhere to put it back in. And so the sunsetting of, of the amortization piece was a way to sort of balance that budget back out with, with all the big changes and big ticket items, if you will, that came through the TCJ. And the fact that, you know, it's, it's we're going on well over 50, 60 years now where companies have been able to operate an expense in the current year it's definitely going to reduce that present value, right? You know, you're going to have to deduct it over time. So just the money itself becomes less, less valuable too. Those are all great points. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University Weekly. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. 
based on all of this information that we're talking about here, Alan, in your experience and, and what you're seeing out there, you know, in the landscape right now, are you hearing anything from clients or within industry that, you know, are where they're leaning towards the R&D tax credit and maybe it not being worth it, you know, to claim with this, this amortization change coming up? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. You know, it, it really hasn't had a huge impact today, but people are starting to talk about it and especially big taxpayers. So, you know, let's think of some of the larger case taxpayers out there who have never claimed the credit and have sort of dipped their toe into the water and have thought about claiming the credit. I was on the phone with a rather large insurance company just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, the first red flag they raised was that, you know, they're going to have some significant beat tax liability, and they weren't sure that they wanted to invest in the R&D tax credit today when they didn't know what the impact was going to be to them five years down the road. So some of our more sophisticated taxpayers have already started thinking about it. It's clearly going to be an issue. I think the average taxpayer that has been claiming the credit has not worried about it that much because they already have a system in place to claim the credits, but they're aware that this is going to impact their future credits as well. Absolutely, right? It makes sense that that's what you're hearing because as these businesses are determining whether it makes sense to make this investment, right? COVID aside, I mean, that has a huge impact as well now with, with every dollar being worth so much more because there's you know, still some level of uncertainty as to, to when businesses can sort of resume normal operations. Will they grow back to their normal size? And then now you add in this legislative uncertainty, right, that's creating these, these challenges. And it seems like it's, it's only prudent for them to start thinking about these things. Absolutely. And, you know, and COVID's a game changer. Because folks out there don't know whether or not this is going to be around or not. I think a lot of people would hope it gets repealed, but they can't just sit on their hands. They have to do something now and they have to forecast for the future. So great points by yourself. And I think that this is something that folks are starting to pay attention to. So if we put ourselves in the shoes of these companies, right, you know, let's let's sort of summarize what what all this means, right? Help help us do that. What does the amortization changes, the beat tax, the COVID pandemic environment, right? What does all of this mean when you kind of put it all together for companies conducting R&D? I don't know if this is a true statement, but it seems like the U.S. government is trying to discourage R&D and the cost of investment is going up. I mean, I think we have to see the long-term ramifications to understand if that's truly the case. But in the short term, 2022, you know, the way you handle R&D expenses is going to change. You have to move to that amortization. And what we're really doing with the U.S. government is doing is saying, we still want you to make that investment today, but we're not going to pay you back for a couple of years. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Absolutely. And it impacts, to your point, the cost of investment, but it also has a big potential to reduce economic output, right? Because of this hesitation to make this investment without knowledge that you're going to get this reimbursement on the, you know, in the immediate future, it's now going to be the near term or the longer future. And so you have to worry about that, right? With a, with a pandemic environment, trying to come out of this, trying to get the economy back and running, trying to get jobs back up. You have to worry that that reduced level of economic output while you know, the government is pumping out trillions of, of dollars in aid and assistance in all these different areas. One of the key areas that you sustain long-term growth is that R&D, right? There's no question. And, you know, when you look back to 2017, 
when the credit became permanent, well, what happened? Investment skyrocketed here in the United States the last couple of years for most industries, well, at least up until COVID, right? Again, that's sort of the, you know, throwing a wrench into everything. But 2017, 18, 19, there were huge upticks in technological spend. And I think we're starting to see it now, again, today in 2021, as people started to recover from COVID. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think that we're risking losing some of that energy and some of that dynamic with the new amortization rules. So we've talked a little bit about the amortization rules and how they might change in, in terms of the legislation and the sunsetting. But let's talk a little bit about you know, the full expensing and, and how it operates right now, right? So businesses can deduct the full cost of those ordinary business expenses, including those R&D costs, in the year that they occur. It's said to reduce the present value of the deduction if it changes, but tell us how that works, right? Help explain that to our audience. Yeah, and I think you had mentioned that earlier, Raheem. You know, due to inflation, the time value of money, depreciating cost reduces the present value of deductions. Well, how and why? Depreciation requires you to deduct assets over a number of years. There's different depreciation timelines for different types of assets. You know, some could be up to 40 years, for example. You know, what does this do from a tax perspective? Well, it's really just you're paying it forward. You're shifting the taxes forward in time. And it's, you know, it increases tax burdens, but it also decreases the after tax return on the investment in present value. And, you know, you'd mentioned that earlier, and that, that's such a key point. It becomes so easy. It makes our lives, our lives easier, right? We can determine the present value of something today. But as you're setting up all these depreciation tables, not just for R&D, but for really any tax asset, it overcomplicates what should be a simple tax system. I think that's a fair critique, right? And, and there are many critics of the TCJA's amortization law including the, the ITIF, the Tax Foundation. And they've said that amortization stands to affect economic output, you know, that engine that we, we've been talking about. So help us understand how economic output could be so drastically affected by, by one law or one regulation. I think the key here is that we're not getting the benefit today, right? So we're delaying the recovery of costs down the road. And what happens when you do that and, you know, we may be going through a period of inflation over the next couple of years. And I, I think most economists are predicting that you can overstate income. And when you overstate income, then the federal government likes to get their piece. And what happens there is taxes can be raised. And, you know, I, I think we could be pretty sure or in agreement that that 21 percent is probably going to get raised at some point within this administration. What happens there is that a company typically is going to reduce the amount of investment that they put into research and development. And when you do that, then, you know, you're not hiring the folks with the same pedigrees, the same backgrounds, the same amount of engineers or developers or research scientists that, that you may have prior to reducing the R&D spend. And it changes the output and the outlook, frankly, of your corporate model. That was very, very well said. 
Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions, AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp that's xbs.ai slash tp let's talk about another criticism so one of the other criticisms that exists out there about about this amortization piece and, and you know the tcja is that it makes the tax code more complex for businesses how would it increase that complexity we've both done tax for a long time raheem and Every time you have to amortize anything or depreciate anything, what does it do? It creates more schedules. It creates more numbers. It creates more tracking. This is going to require every business every year to create a new five-year schedule or potentially even a 15-year schedule of their R&D expenses and keep track of it over and over and over until this provision is repealed, sunsets, or in the case it never goes away, they'll have to do this forever. And it's just creating another layer of work for tax departments that are already strapped. I mean, everybody's bare bones these days, and the last thing they want to see is another deduction that they have to keep track of. Right, that administrative burden, right, of, of actually performing the work can then become a barrier to, to that entry, right? You have companies who stop claiming the credit and, and therefore stop focusing on, on R&D as much because of that simple complexity. Oh, thank you for explaining that. Earlier in the conversation, you touched on just very briefly, you know, some of the potential legislation and bills that are, are in motion. And a couple of those are recommending the repeal of that amortization law, you know, that sunsetting of the expensing in the current year. What are your thoughts on that recommendation? Would you agree with it? I would. And I think the reason is fairly simple, not only because it keeps both you and I employed, but more importantly, the R&D tax credit is there. It was passed legislatively a long time ago to keep technology and development on U.S. soil, to keep all the work here in the United States so we can employ our best and be the innovative leaders around the world. And it became permanent in 2017, much to everyone's excitement for that same reason. And when you add in this amortization rule, we're going to lose some of that. We're going to lose some of that shine, some of that luster. So I would say it's probably a pretty good idea as long as the original legislative intent has not changed, which is to make sure that we keep all the R&D here in U.S. soil. I think it would be a pretty good idea to eliminate the amortization. Now, I understand that every time you do something like this, you have to find another way to carve out a piece of the pie. But I don't think this is the right way to approach it. I think you leave the R&D tax credit alone and you go look at some other tax play, some other tax scheme 
to get the money back for the federal government. You know, there's a couple of bills out there right now. There's the American Growth Act, which I think is the one that was introduced last year, that is recommending repealing the amortization clause. And, you know, there's another one out there right now that's incentivizing R&D by saying, you know, let's double the credit and let's also repeal amortization. So we'll see what happens. There's a lot going on in Washington today, but I think something like this, if it's going to be done, really needs to get done before 2022. Because once companies feel the pain of creating another depreciation item or another, or having to track another amortization, they may not come back to claiming the R&D tax credit. And you don't want to lose those, those smart scientists and engineers and developers and the company investment in R&D and really making the U.S. a market leader in innovation. Alan, you know, the TCJA was put into place in 2017, right? And I think at the time, you know, the sunsetting of the amortization piece, the the five-year expense deductions, you know, over that time and the budgetary reasons that it was done, you know, I think may have been valid at that time. But, you know, nobody could have really predicted this situation that we're in, right? This COVID environment. Not at all. You know, the way that we're all doing things remotely, certain businesses have stopped, certain businesses have gone under, other businesses are struggling to survive and, and can't put forth, you know, the resources to, to, to grow. I mean, this timing of this, this sunsetting just really is, is, is unfortunate, you know, with everything that's going on. I think it's crazy. And if you remember 2017, companies were going nuts with R&D, right? The economy was flying high. I just don't think a lot of people thought about it five years down the road. It was just something they put in the side and said, we'll worry about it when we get closer. And then all of a sudden COVID happens, you know, and once COVID happened and, you know, everybody started thinning out their tax departments and, you know, maybe the R and D spend went down a little bit. And, you know, now in 2021, when things are starting to come back to normal, people are starting to think about it again. And it is scary. And yet we're still so, you know, we're still so hopeful, but we're still, relatively far away from this normalcy that, that we want to get back to, right? And administrative barriers, creating more schedules, you know, this change to, to this approach and, and what what's really needed right now, right? You know, I, I'm all for, you know, manufacturing process improvements to go from breweries and distilleries to hand sanitizers, <laughs> right? Or, or, or creating PPE and, and, and all that. And that's great. That's absolutely necessary to, to to take care of, of frontline workers, to take care of healthcare employees, to take care of all of these necessary areas. But I feel like we're, we're selling ourselves short in the long run by, by making these changes, right? We're so focused on what needs to be done now and addressing this from just a purely COVID perspective that we're losing sight of what this could do, you know, three, five, 10, 15 years down the line. This, this blip, this bump that we're hitting right now, for a lot of people, full stop, if not reverse, it's not just going to be because of COVID. It's going to be because of this disincentivizing of, of, of this R&D cost, right? Yeah, there's, there's no question. You know, we originally started off, you know, our conversation today talking about, you know, what are people saying out there? It's going to take a lot of grunts and groans from some of the bigger companies in our country to really complain about it and, and make it known to their legislators, to their senators, to their Congress folks and say, you know, if things don't change, what is our incentive for keeping R&D here in the U.S.? 
And that's, again, you know, I know we stress it a couple of times, but that's a terrible answer for the U.S. and for the U.S. economy. You know, if you had to put a gun to my head, I would say things were, are going to change. I don't know if that's a complete repeal or not. But, you know, I, I do think when this came out five years ago, there were people in two camps, Raheem, right? There were people that said, ah, that amortization thing, that's going to go away. That won't be there in 2022. And then the other camp was like, you know, it'll be there, but we don't care because things are so good right now. Nobody saw COVID. Nobody saw COVID coming. You're absolutely right. It just put a huge dent into it. And, you know, this is the perfect time for the U.S. government to pivot and do something about it. No, absolutely. And and I think to your point, what's unfortunate is it's going to take a lot of these, you know, big logos, these big names, these big brands to, to grunt and groan and complain or, or for lack of a better word, threaten to, to leave, you know, the environment. But in the meantime, you know, the small to mid-sized businesses, that true backbone of the economy, those companies, you know, unfortunately those voices are going to get ignored, you know, until the, the big boys, you know, sort of step in or the big businesses step in and, they may not get that chance to 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 get to that point, right? Those businesses yes. may not even make it to that point to where the, the it's even part of the conversation. And you know, that's the unfortunate piece because think about how many of these big businesses that exist today that were these small startups, you know, starting out of a garage, starting out of parents' basements. And now you want to say, hey, great, make the investment, borrow that money from mom and dad, borrow that money from your angel investors, right? And 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 by the way, keep these schedules. We know you're a small business, but spend extra money on this because this is more important from an administrative standpoint, right? I think that's the greatest point of today's podcast because when you take out the middle of the country like that in terms of you know the medium-sized companies, the smaller-sized companies, that's where the economy gets impacted the most. And to me, that's very scary. And I think something has to be done. So silver lining, I guess, what we're both saying is Claim as much R&D as you can right now. Go back years and amend returns and claim, claim R&D because you just don't know what's going to happen this year with, with legislation. Hopefully, you know, you're seeing, I think you and I have both seen, right? There's a number of bills, um, not just the Growth Act, not just Congress, Congresswoman Walorski's, you know, double the credit, but there's a number of bills that, that are, are tying to R&D or domestic manufacturing or, or COVID, you know, pandemic related uh, research. But you know, hopefully there's enough momentum there to, to get some of this adjusted and, and really put the money back where it needs to go. Yeah, I agree. And I think at the end of the day, what will probably happen is you'll see an increase in the corporate tax rate. Amortization gets repealed and R&D credit is still permanent. But uh, we'll see. You know, after all this conversation, I'm not going to sit here and say the companies should not invest in the R&D tax credit and not invest in R&D generally. I think it's still a very lucrative benefit. And I think... You know, just being in this industry for as long as I have, things are going to change. And what happens when you decide not to claim the R&D tax credit this year or next year and the law changes? Well, you're put in a position several years down the road. We have to go back and review things. And that becomes very costly. And that's sort of negating the benefit itself. So I I do think that it's still very important to claim the R&D tax credit. We can't anticipate what the changes are or when they'll happen. But change always does occur within the tax code. And the benefit, even with amortization, is still a lucrative benefit. And Raheem, what do you think? No, absolutely. I agree with you. You know, the, the amortization piece and how you deduct those costs, you know, over time, that's one piece of it, yes. But the tax credit itself, too, right, is, is a piece that I think, you know, these companies are continuing to spend money. And yes, there's an administrative barrier that may be, be coming down the line. 
But the great part is we know it's coming. We can plan for it. We can put steps in place. And then at the same time, companies are already spending this money. They need to get these credits back in those in those businesses as quickly as possible, right? And again, that's the same thing for those companies that are out there that are just realizing this benefit exists or just recognizing that they may be eligible. Look at the tax position. Can you go back a year or two and amend a return and claim it, right? You've been doing that R&D for these years already. Get that benefit that's due to you and your company and, and reinvest it where you need it so you can continue to, to grow or at least sustain through this pandemic environment. And, and hopefully we get on the, the better side of this sooner rather than later. I totally agree with that. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai/rd. That's xbs.ai/rd. I think that's going to be a wrap on this conversation on amortization and the R&D tax credit in the U.S. Uh, we want to thank Alan and Raheem for being here, both of you. This was an absolutely wonderful conversation. Thank you. Very happy to be here today. No, it was, it was excellent. Thanks so much. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we'll update you on the R&D tax credit every week. This episode of Fiona's R&D Tax Credit Podcast counts for two-fifths or 40% of CPE credit. For more information, email the Fiona Show at xbs.ai. Today's episode was engineered by Matthew DeMello and Andrew O'Donnell. Also hosted by some guy named Matthew DeMello. Christy Clements is our associate producer. She wrote today's script. Marilyn Mitchum-Strom is our executive producer. We'll catch everyone back here next week. Oh,